Hey listeners, Michael here. You may have realized that we haven't been posting episodes for a little while. Uh, I just didn't have the capacity to edit and post them. Uh, but this episode was supposed to have gone up right after Dragon Con weekend, which was Labor Day weekend. So keep that in mind for context, and you should start seeing other episodes posting pretty soon. We've got a bunch that have been recorded, and I just need to do some catch-up. Enjoy! Welcome to Trivially Crucial, where we believe every celebrity signing, two-hour wait for a panel, scholarly breakdown of comics, and cult of the Marriott carpet is important and critical to our lives, no matter how unimportant an event may seem. I'm Mandy. And I'm Michael. And today, we are at DragonCon. Yep. It's a uh, day, I don't know what day it is, four? Day four? Four. Five Kind of. Ish? If we count Thursday, do we count Thursday? I don't know. <laughs> but this is, yes, our, our second annual DragonCon recording. But not our second time at Dragon Con. No, not at all. I, we were just seeing that uh, your mom and I were, were seeing that we are, have now been Facebook friends for six years, and we met at Dragon Con. I guess I've been doing Dragon Con with you and your parents for seven years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is my tenth Dragon Con. Pretty sure we had this exact discussion last yeah. year. I don't know how many Dragon Cons I've been to. I'm pretty sure my first one was 2008, and even though it's not ten years later, because you count the first one you went to, right? Yes. So nine years later, tenth Dragon Con. Right. And my first one was 2002 or 2003, but I sk- I've skipped some. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I guess Thursday night. Well, Thursday is the day we get here, right? And uh, we had some hotel issues. So uh, we love our hotel, but sometimes things don't go according to plan. Uh, and so checking in actually took us a long time. So we didn't get into the badge line till 8. Uh, but it went pretty quick. Uh, when we, we got our badges, um, and yeah, then we went to dinner, so there wasn't really a lot of fan stuff for us. There is stuff that goes on at Dragon Con. We just... Didn't do much of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know that, so, my coworkers come to Dragon Con a lot. A lot of people do, and they meet at, a Trader Vic's, which is a bar that is under, underneath one of the hotels. Um, I forget which hotel it's under, but it is a, uh... Basically, like, lots of tiki drinks and stuff like that, and people get really drunk and loud and, and so on, starting Thursday night, uh, going into Friday. Um, if you ever consider coming to Dragon Con, if you can make it Thursday night instead of Friday to get your badge, you should do that, because things get crazy for the badge line Friday morning. Yeah, wait, waiting on Friday morning is awful. Um, waiting on any individual day can be awful, but as we'll talk about, I had to do that this year, and it wasn't that bad. Yeah. So... Uh, also, don't take for granted that you've bought your ticket already, because, funny story, I came in all year, I knew I was coming, and I always buy the ticket first day when you can, so I assumed I had gotten that half-price uh, thing, and I go all the way through the line to get the, to get my badge, and I'm like, yeah, I, I can't find my blue card, but I'm sure I have it somewhere, and the guy's like, I don't see your name in the list, he's like, oh. Uh, so I checked my email and logged into the DragonCon website and found that I had not actually purchased a badge for this year. So I had to go and buy one at full price, which thankfully you can still pretty do, do pretty easily Thursday or Friday. Um, they don't sell out. I suppose, I mean, this year we're at, we were at 82,000 estimated. Before the weekend, they were estimating 82,000 attendees, which two years ago, I think, or two or three years ago, it was only 60-something, and it was already huge. So keep adding people. Um, although we've been pleasantly surprised by how non-crowded it felt uh, compared to last year, like not we, less. We, we say non-crowded, but it's crowded. It's uh, very crowded. It, it's just that I think the weather was so nice. Uh, it didn't get over like eighty-five degrees all weekend, and it didn't rain. Uh, so walking outside was a completely reasonable option. Yeah, uh, which helps 
keep the skyways reasonable, uh, which is the walkways between the three primary hotels. Uh, and, uh, yeah, though I did notice, uh, you know, we had commented that the, everything was less crowded at 8.30 last night, but when we left the party at 11, everything was more crowded. So I'm kind of wondering if that was a early evening lull. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Thursday night, we didn't do much. Friday morning, we went straight into, what did, what did we start doing Friday? So Friday morning, we wanted to do the Nathan Fillion panel. Right. But we didn't quite make it out of our room on time and they closed the line before we even got there so we didn't get to go to the nathan fillion panel and then we thought we were going to the eleven thirty jim butcher panel but it got canceled yes uh so we ended up in the dragon con store line uh with my parents uh to buy uh there's the dragon con store it sells dragon con merchandise uh and uh yeah then uh I had some signings on Friday that I went to. Yeah, I, I mean, I basically hung out with you most of Friday. Um, let me, let, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot that goes on uh, on Fridays. I'm trying to think, because it's the first day of panels. I feel like we didn't do quite as many panels as we have historically. I feel like that's been an, uh, a steady trend over time. Like, first few years, tons and tons and tons of panels. And now it's like, all right, yeah, if I can make it to this one, I want to go see it. But I, I try not to stress too much about going to panels, I don't like waiting in line. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and especially when you, once you've done Dragon Con a lot, uh, and that's one thing is that we has come up multiple times this weekend is it's very different. Dragon Con should be different for you if you are a repeat uh, Conner versus if you're coming for your first or second time. Like, if you're coming for your first or second time, let one of us know. And we will tell you all the things you need to make sure to do. Be prepared to exhaust yourself over the weekend. But, like, that's the right way to do it the first time. Right. Um, Because there's just a lot of stuff you really need to. And then, if you enjoyed those things and want to do it in a more relaxing way, that's when you come back again and you just pick what which individual things you want to prioritize um, from there. We did end up watching the Nathan Fillion panel on DragonCon TV yes. later in the weekend. So... And DragonCon TV used to be exclusive to the hotels, to the actual con hotels, because it's on the closed-circuit television stuff that, you know, hotel rooms all have. But now they actually started a thing where if you didn't come to DragonCon, you can pay 30 bucks, and for the next three months you can stream any and all of the panels as many times as you want. If you did come to DragonCon, you can pay 10 bucks for the same streaming thing so that you can see any you missed or rewatch one. If, say, you got to be one of the people who asked a question, you can... You can do that. Um, I know, Mandy, last year you asked a question and I recorded it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wouldn't have to do that this time because it would be on online. My yeah. DragonCon app is freaking out. Otherwise, I would uh, be looking to see what exactly did I do. Oh, th- that uh, is definitely a thing. Uh, if you ever come to DragonCon, you use the app. You really do need to use the app in order to help organize your weekend. But it is not a good app. Uh, no. It is very frustrating and it crashes a lot. Um yeah, so the first thing I really did on Friday, I guess, looking at it, was the Matt Fraction, Kelly Sue DeConnick signing. Yeah. Uh, and that was interesting because um, when we uh, went to it, first off, we were like an hour early and we're confused. We thought it was at 1, but it wasn't until 2.30. Uh, so we left and went to the vendor room, I think, right yeah. when it opened. Uh, and uh, walked around the vendor room a bit. We didn't buy anything on Friday, I don't think. We just kind of perused. Uh, and then we went back for that signing, and we ended up uh, 
it, it was two o'clock. The signing started at two thirty, and I thought there would be a line, but there wasn't. So we ended up being first in the line. We mm-hmm. created uh, the Matt the Fraction line, line that yeah. then also got turned into the Kelly Sue DeConnick line. Yeah, because I guess the organizers didn't realize that Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue DeConnick are married and have double fans who will want both of them. Uh, so uh, and they frequently travel together. Yeah, <laughs> and stuff. So so uh, they had put Kelly Sue in a different room, but then when one fan pointed out that you know, these are lots of crossover between these two. People are going to want to get both and they're married. So you probably want to put them in the same room. So they moved them. Uh, and there was some weirdness with trying to merge lines, but we still ended up being first in the Matt Fraction line. Uh, and Mandy, because Matt Fraction had to cancel the last time he was supposed to come because they had a family incident. Uh, you got something special. Yeah. Uh, I had my Hawkeye hardback that I wanted signed and I gave it to him and he was talking to us, uh, and he signed it. And then he, like, pushed it across the table to give it to us and then took it back Mm -hmm. and was like, oh, yeah, since I wasn't here last time or he had to leave before his signing last time due to a family emergency, uh, he put uh, that this was the first thing he had ever signed at a Dragon Con ever. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we He even told us it was the first thing he signed in Georgia except for when bailing a friend out of jail or something like that. Like, so. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah. we that that was uh really cool so we got that signed i uh, didn't get anything signed by kelly sue because i already have stuff uh, i mean i had one thing signed by matt fraction but that was got for me by a friend so i never actually got to stand there while matt fraction signed something so whereas kelly sue i got her at the last time she was at dragon con so that was a uh, a lot of fun and then we immediately got into jim butcher line <laughs> Because Jim Butcher's line is always insane, as we have discussed on this podcast, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, which I would have avoided this year, but I needed to get his autograph signature in a book for a friend so that that friend will get me Patrick Rothfuss's signature. Because that's how we roll those of us who collect author signatures. Sometimes there are just some authors you're never going to be able to meet, but other people will just yeah. because of different... And in this particular case, it's Patrick Rothfuss goes to Gen Con a lot, and Gen Con is so close to Dragon Con that you probably have very few people who do both. Right, yeah. right. But I have a friend who goes to Gen Con and not Dragon Con, so, which is why he doesn't have Jim Butcher, and I do. So I was able to get him Jim Butcher. He'll get me Patrick Rothfuss. It was all good. But that line, we were pretty close to the front because we got in that line like an hour and a half before mm-hmm. <laughs> the signing, but it was still pretty long. Yeah, And we, we talked about this in the line, too, and that... Uh, to me, it's kind of surprising how popular Jim Butcher is, even though I like his thing a lot. Like, I like his stuff, and I like lots of other people's stuff, and I'm just kind of left scratching my head as to why he is so popular. But hey, I, I mean, I'm not complaining. I, you it, know. It's a level of popularity that makes it seem like there should be a movie or an ongoing TV show. Right, not a TV show that got canceled after, like, one season and right. people don't really think particularly highly of. Like, some people right. like it. Some people just think it's, you know, a show. And I I know this from other sources, like, to even get Jim Butcher at your event, you have to reserve him, like, two years in advance. Like, so I I imagine that's because he's in high demand. Uh, So I I just feel like with that level of popularity, uh, why haven't they brought back a TV show? Why haven't they tried for a movie? Uh, Because really all of his popularity is from the Dresden Files, too. It's is completely from the Dresden Files, which I have to imagine frustrates him because he keeps trying to break out into other... And the rest of us just want him to hurry up and get through the other... <laughs> Finish like, Harry Dresden. How many, please. like, nine Dresden Files books yeah. that, that he has left at least? 
because he's what 13 or 14 in and he, i think it's supposed to be 22 books or something it's like something that. like that i think it was like 20 books in a three book trilogy so yeah something th- like that. of course it's a three book trilogy what am i <laughs> <laughs> a four book trilogy no <laughs> well i mean then you're getting into uh hitchhiker's guide territory with that right yes yeah, true it's true uh it's a trilogy it's five books yeah uh yeah, and, and then I had to go to dinner with my family. So, Michael, what did you do while... Uh... Friday night? Yeah. Oh, Friday night I had to leave Dragon Con because oh, that's I have right. friends doing a... Uh, I have friends moving out of the country, and they were doing their going away party, so I had to go hang out with them before I came back. And I met up with you. Where did I meet up with you again? Uh, you didn't come back till after my 10 o'clock panel. Right. So yeah. I went to... Uh, at Dragon Con every year, or for 10 years at least, they've been doing this um, academic conference within dragon con and since it's within dragon con if you have a dragon con badge you get to go to it um, mandy just held up her badge which none of you can see look at my lovely badge <laughs> that you can't see i can see it though so you guys should all just uh, be happy for me <laughs> um so i uh, i went to um one of those on friday night uh it was um sex and gender issues in comics and there were three presentations one was about uh, masculinity in um, Batman comics and kind of how, uh, it, you know, what the comics put forth as good masculinity versus bad masculinity and how Batman kind of defies the definitions of masculinity but also enforces masculinity in Gotham. Because uh, if you deviate from what he views as acceptable, you could end up in jail. <laughs> um and also kind of talking about uh, some of the female characters like Renee Montoya and how they perform masculinity um, because of their jobs and, you know, hero status. Uh, and then the second presentation was about uh, Buffy comics, uh, Serenity comics, and um, or Firefly comics, I guess I should say, and uh, Ms. Marvel and kind of like female characters and development and mentorship. Um and the third was about uh, how comics uh, reinforce rape culture, uh, and they were really—it was really good. And uh, because it was a ten o'clock panel, um, there was no panel after it, so the moderator just let it keep going. Uh, so I, didn't, which is a theme for this weekend, yeah. So I didn't let it in, or I—I I don't know when it ended. I didn't leave until uh, Michael texted me that he was in the West End, which is the hotel we stay in, in the hotel where this panel was uh which was probably around 11 30 um and, and then i snuck out but it was really good it was really good discussion uh oh and kelly sue DeConnick was there um also be- a theme for this weekend yeah because <laughs> uh, it's kind of like they would have uh you know these these academics who study uh the comics from an academic perspective and then a comics developer um who could kind of address it from the other side so it was it was really good discussion cool that was Friday. Then we went to bed. Yes. Then <laughs> we went to bed and we started Saturday, um, which we we started doing separate things. Um, I don't remember. I don't know what you started with in the... Well, no, I guess... No, to, we didn't start separate. We didn't. We started the uh, with the store uh, because... So Saturday morning, and this is one of those things where we I, I'm sure we talked about it last year, but... If you come to the con and it's your first time, you have to go to the parade. You have to go early to get a good spot. You have to experience the parade. We've experienced the parade several times, so we don't really do the parade anymore because you can go to the vendor uh, room 
and it's not nearly as crowded. Because everyone's the at the parade. And it opens at the same time the parade starts, so we lined up ahead of time, got a pretty good spot, and just got in there, went through the vendor room. Yeah, yeah. and the nice thing about the vendor room from where our hotel is in the West End is that during the parade, the West End's isolated from all the other hotels. Yeah. But the vendor room's on the same side of the parade as the West End, so it's really easy for us to get to. Whereas if we had been trying to get to, like, the Marriott during the parade, it... it Good luck. Right. Good luck. <laughs> yep. If you're thinking about coming to Dragon Con and for some reason you don't want to go to the parade, uh, you just have to make sure you get there before the parade starts, wherever yeah. you're planning to go. Because uh, once the parade starts, you are stuck. And it's, how long is the parade? Uh, uh, it, I think it takes like an hour and a half now. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a long route and uh, uh, it's a long parade. So yeah. they keep making the route longer because the parade keeps getting longer and more people keep coming because you don't need a badge. To see the parade. So, uh, and I think they even air it on CW Atlanta now. Oh, interesting. Live. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it is a big thing, too, because so Atlanta, um, you know, we call it this weekend Cluster Fest uh, <laughs> because you have Dragon Con, which this year was 82,000 people. You have a big, big football game, the Chick, uh, Chick-fil-A sponsors, and that this was... I think it was Alabama, and it's a college football game. So it was Alabama and FSU, FSU this year, right? Uh, and then uh, you also have a Black Gay Pride weekend in Atlanta, and then there's the Decatur Book Festival, which is also that's like another thirty thousand people that are in in the city just for books, and, and so it's like just this huge weekend of multi-day events. Um, things are really busy, and a lot of locals who don't do Dragon Con still take their kids to go see the parade. Yeah. So. It's a pretty big thing because it's like the one non-ticketed event for mm-hmm. for Dragon Con. And anyone can see it. Um, so, yeah, we didn't we didn't go to the parade, uh, but we went to the vendor room and purchased a lot of things. You purchased a lot of things. <laughs> My, mainly, I had one big purchase, which was a new. Um, uh, black leather corset for my Winter Soldier costume, uh, which uh, in the past. I had this kind of fake corset that was kind of falling apart, and uh, I really like the Winter Soldier, so I like to continue cosplaying that. So uh, it was nice to kind of upgrade that costume. Um, Speaking of cosplay, what did you wear on Friday? Oh, that's right. Uh, so Friday, I was the Winter Soldier. There you go. So it was kind of not ironic, but like, oh, I bought this thing on Saturday for something I cosplayed on Friday. If I had bought it, and if I, or if I had cosplayed that on Sunday, I could have worn it, you right. know, but, but you'll just have to use it next time. I'll have to use it next year or, you know, Halloween, uh, all, all things that happen. Uh, right. and then Saturday I was going to do my Loki cosplay, which I've done many times, but I realized I left two pieces at home. One of which was more critical than the other, which is the undershirt. <laughs> uh, cause you know, you don't want to sweat directly into your cosplay if you can avoid it. If it's something that is not easily washed. And most of the cosplay stuff is much more difficult to wash than other articles of clothing. Right, right. And my Loki cosplay has, you know, it has a knitted section that's the armor. It has a pleather section. It has a cotton section. So washing it would be very difficult. So I usually wear this, uh, uh, like, under armor. And the thing about if I was trying to wear a cotton T-shirt under it is it would just rub the costume weird. The costume would start bunching at the top uh, because the cotton against the cotton, it's really weird. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, that's, I can't really wear this. Um, 
so I wore my um, Star-Lord costume instead, uh, which uh, is kind of a low-key, not a low-key, but a low-key uh, costume, because uh, I, I pretty much put it together because it was just stuff I had, a red leather jacket, um, pleather pants that I used for my Winter Soldier costume, though this year I didn't use it for the Winter Soldier costume because I was going to use it for Star-Lord, um, and a gray shirt. Uh, and then my friend Melody had made me a really cool crocheted uh, Walkman bag that got many compliments. Lots of compliments <laughs> this weekend. Uh, a lot of people thought it was really cool. So shout out to Melody for making me that bag. Uh, and yeah, Star Lord was nice because uh, when the jacket wasn't on, it was really cool. But in the cool, as in temperature wise, thermally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, even though in the vendor room was frigid when we went in because they had the air conditioner pumped up as if it was full, but since it was during the parade, it was not full. Uh, so and because we had just, they had just opened. Yeah. So you didn't have the you know, hours for it to start warming up because of yeah. people moving through. So I needed the jacket. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a jacket and I didn't have one. I was jealous. Yeah. So um, let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I bought that was big. I know I bought things. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, the corset was, was, uh, most of my money, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else I bought Saturday morning. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, you just made a purchase, which we'll get oh, to Saturday but... morning. I bought the corset and the dice and that was it. Right. I bought another set of D and D dice, uh, cause I have two sets, but my character is getting to levels where I need more dice and I'm tired of bumming dice off my fellow, uh, players. Dungeoners. So... I, I got a, another set of dice. Cool. Um, so then we split up after that for panels, I think. Oh, because I went to another signing. Because I brought books this weekend, and therefore I was getting them signed. Because if I'm lugging books to Dragon Con, it's happening. Yes. <laughs> so what'd you get signed? I, I have um, two anthologies uh, that I've been working on trying to collect all the authors in them. Uh, so I don't have so many signed books lying around, but rather one book multiple authors can sign. So uh, they're both anthologies edited by George R. R. Martin. One's called Dangerous Women and one's called Rogues. Uh, so I added Sherilyn Kenyon uh, to my Dangerous Women uh, one. And then I added, well, I guess I didn't add, I corrected <laughs> Sherry Priest in my Rogues because my copy of Rogues, Daniel Abraham signed it in the wrong place, and then everybody else signed it in the wrong place. So he, he was signing it on, like, the table of contents <laughs> yes. instead of on his actual story. Which isn't wrong. It's just not what I wanted. Uh, so at Bubonicon, which is another con I run, like, the authors all, like, there's a mass autographing, and they all sit next to each other. So when you hand them something like Rogues, and they know all three of them at the table are in it, one of them will sign it and just hand the book to the next one, and the next one will sign it the exact same, like... They'll, they'll sign it the way the first person signed it. So, they, so they'll all sign it wrong. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> so I've slowly been fixing but you that. But fi- you finished fixing that I finished mistake. fixing it, yes. So now everyone who had signed the table of contents has signed the page I wanted signed, which is the page their story is on. So what uh, this means is that when you complete it, you're also going to have to get everybody else to sign also in the table of contents. Yes, so, so you have them I, in both places. As I've been adding authors now, I've had them signing in both places. That's so uh, Except George. I still need him to sign on the table of contents because he signed on his story. So, yes, it's confusing and silly and... A little bit OCD, but such is life with Mandy. (laughs) 
we are glad for it. Uh, um, <laughs> Uh, so then from there, what I, panel I know, did you do while I was at so designing? I went to a Mass Effect panel, which I, I don't know if I did one last year or the year before, but I did one in the last couple of years. Um, and it was just the voice actors of Mass Effect. Um, it was really interesting cause this is the first time they've released a Mass Effect game that I haven't played. Uh, and I totally forgot that game even existed because <laughs> it hadn't, didn't get a lot of good press and, uh, I, I intend to play it at some point, but there was this one girl on the stage and I was like, I have no idea who this person is. And I just couldn't figure it out until we got about 10 minutes in and, uh, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, Oh, right. She's from that other game that I haven't played yet. Um, but they, the voice actors are just, they're so funny and they're so engaging. And a lot of them are actual gamers and you know, they love playing games. Uh, one of the voice actors, um, for anybody who, who knows these things? Um, he he played uh, Thane Krios in Mass Effect Two and Three, and he actually is also a voice acting director. So not for the Mass Effect games, but for other games. And so he, they had all kinds of experience. People were asking them some pretty great questions actually about the experience. You know how, what's the experience like for people who are voicing things when they their voices are heavily processed versus people whose voices are their voices. Uh, and they were able to give us that information and like answers on, from both the voice actor side and the director's side, which is really neat. Uh, there's also the fact that one of the guys who, so the main character in the original Mass Effect trilogy, you can play as male or female. So there's two canonical voices and the guy is really into this, uh, into games. He loves playing the game series and stuff like that. Uh, and he actually voices a lot more than just the main character. He, he voices an entire alien species in it because he was just like, okay, let me try this thing. And they initially said, you know, we're going to do some, some filtering. And he's like, well, let me try this weird thing. And it's, uh, he, for anybody who's listening, who knows anything about the series, he, he does the Vorcha's voice, which is just like this weird, grating, terrible voice that you actually would just assume had been computer, seriously computer augmented. And he's like, no, 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 no. Here's how I do it. And he grabs some water and he pours some water in his mouth and then he like takes a breath and then he does it. And it's just like this screeching kind of voice that, that works. And they're like, well, you do know that now you have to do every single member of this alien species because no one else can do that voice. He's like, all right. So, uh, <laughs> so he did that and he, uh, he cosplays every year. So he walked in as a Vorcha instead of as like his main character. And, uh, you know, when he's introducing himself is really funny because he's like, my name is Mark Mir and we can all hear the main, you know, the main character's voice because it's just his voice. And he's like, and I voiced the Vorcha and then everybody laughed. So, uh, really, really funny, engaging group of people who know that, like, okay, we're your series is not like brand new. It's not as popular as it was, but uh, but we like them, and they you know talk about other things, and uh, it, it's neat because they're much more like the regular fans than a lot of the people who run other panels, uh, other celebrities in their panels. Because I feel like other celebrities are just much more separated because they're living that celebrity lifestyle, whereas voice actors aren't. You know, they're just. They're just nerds doing their yeah. thing, you know. And, and they get away with a lot more anonymity. Yes. Anonymity. Uh, anemones? Yes. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> anonymity is the word you're looking for. <laughs> don't know what they look like, so they're yeah. less likely to get mobbed, which you know. Right. Uh, well, that was cool. Yeah. The uh, panel I went to without you uh, was the Star Trek Next Generation panel. Right. Uh, which had uh, Commander Riker. Data, Worf, Dr. Crusher, and uh, Deanna Troy. Um, and 
Harry Kim from Voyager, but that's just because he is the head of the Trek track here at DragonCon. He's the moderator for all the big DragonCon panels, which is pretty cool because I think that really helps ease some of the older uh, Star Trek actors <laughs> who aren't as comfortable with fandom. Uh, so uh, having one of their own be in charge and moderate things uh, helps. Um, but it, it was good. You know, I like Star Trek. Um, my mom's the huge Trekkie. Um, and we will talk about Star Trek at some point on this podcast when I have done my duty to Michael and provided him a list <laughs> of episodes to talk about. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it was interesting to see kind of the group dynamics uh, between them. Like, when... when I've talked to Michael Dorn one-on-one in, like, signings. He's always been... Who's very, Michael Dorn? Uh, Worf. Okay. He's always been very chatty and personable. But in the group setting, like, uh, he barely said anything unless directly addressed. And uh, Commander Riker would, a- as well as uh, Data, to answer a lot of questions and talk. I feel like give you a little hint of, like, kind of their relationships with each other. Um, and, uh, people ask a lot of good questions, uh, you know, particularly someone asked the question of, uh, uh, to, to data, um, that they were on the autism spectrum, the person asking the question and data, they, so they really connected to data and his struggle to understand emotions and humans. And, uh, did, uh, the actor have any idea, you know, that, that he would resonate so much with so many people and the actor was like no i didn't i'm so glad people have been able to connect but he's like but i'm glad no one told me that during the show (laughs) (laughs) you imagine the pressure of that yes yeah uh... he was kind of like the pressure and then he tried probably would have tried to play it up and would have played it wrong you know uh so uh yeah it was it was very interesting to kind of see that um so it it was an entertaining panel it was a crowded panel (laughs) uh the room was full um so uh, very interesting. Well, uh, what did we... I feel like between then and... I know what we did in the evening. We had a 10 o'clock panel, but I don't remember what we did bef- between those. Well, we went to the Sherry Priest signing, uh, right. which we already talked about. Um, uh, saw a lot of people in costumes. Saw a lot of people in costumes. Oh, we went to dinner. What was at dinner? At Ted Turner's. Time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At uh, Ted's Montana Grill. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, uh, and then I think we mostly people watched until our 10 o'clock panel. Do you have any favorite cosplays from the weekend? Well, I already mentioned it, but I really appreciate the cult of the Marriott carpet, Mm -hmm. uh, which I mentioned in our intro. So if you're not a Dragon Con person, you probably have no idea what this is. We might have talked about it in our last podcast. I I can't remember, but the Marriott used to have this hideous geometric carpet. And recently used to. Yes. Like... Was last year the first year without it? Last year was the first year without it. They replaced it with an equally hideous but less geometric carpet. Yeah. Because uh, hotels have to have hideous carpets. I'm pretty sure it's like... It's rule. in the contract. If you're yeah. going to get approved for regulation as a hotel... You know. Obviously, you have to have a hideous carpet. Uh, which partly is probably because when people puke on it, it's easier to hide the puke when, you know, it's hideous. <laughs> but, um, though I actually think a lot of these hotels do have to replace the carpet after each... Uh, uh, Dragon Con sometimes because of the things that happen. Um, but, what things happen, Mandy? Oh, what, no. I have no idea. <laughs> but the, the thing was that a couple of years ago, before the carpet was replaced, uh, a couple of guys made um, like Marriott carpet camouflage suits. Uh, yeah. And they were like uh, army men. 
and they would lay on the carpet and like hide. Um, and so then it became like a whole thing, uh, though there were some questions of legalities because they started selling the pattern and the carpet company was not very happy about that. But um, then the carpet got taken away and it kind of took this life of its own where people like remember the Marriott carpet. Like people have Marriott carpet lanyards. Like I've seen them all over the place. I have no idea where they buy them. Yeah. We've seen t- people with Marriott uh, carpet t-shirts and it's like the entire t-shirt is the yeah. pattern. Yeah. I uh, saw a skirt. Yeah. Um, I think I even saw leggings. At yeah, one point. I saw leggings. I saw uh, somebody with a really nice, like a full dress, like a almost like a Disney princess style ballroom dress, but it was Marriott carpet. And it's yeah. just like where it, that's the kind of thing where it's hard to imagine that sort of thing happening somewhere else. Yeah. And they, so there were home. definitely several people in like monk costumes with like pieces of the carpet, uh, which is the whole cult of the Marriott carpet aspect. But yeah, that's the kind of thing that really only happens at Dragon Con where you get this like meta level of cosplay. Yeah. It's not just people inhabiting a character. It's people inhabiting a meme or a movement or some strange like mashup. Like a lot of people were talking about last year, the, um, the Donald Trump, uh, Mad Max mashup, and I'm sorry, I haven't seen Mad Max, so I don't know what character they were mashing up, but a lot of people were talking about that, um, and there were several mashups I saw this year, uh, you know, like, they'll have things like the high fashion, uh, Avengers, right? right? And it's, like, women wearing, like, these high fashion gowns that are very clearly patterned off of certain Avengers, mm-hmm. or, you know, the, uh, the like William Shatner Kindles that we see every yeah, day. Yeah, there are a bunch of people who have cardboard boxes and they just are, they're different poses of William Shatner. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, it, it's just things like that that you don't really see at a lot of cons. Um, and I think the cult of the Marriott carpet just kind of represents yeah. that essence of Dragon Con. Um, and so, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, that's a. a Right now, or just a few minutes ago, uh, Dragon Con TV was on in in the hotel room, and uh, what what's the I can't think of the name of the guy, but the the man who plays Reverse Flash uh, on the Flash, he uh, he was just talking. Neither of us can remember his name right now, but uh, he was just talking, and they were asking him like, well, you know, what has been like, what has been your experience in Dragon Con? And he's like, honestly, like, just it's so crazy. And, you know, have the late night parties and stuff like that. But There's also so the, many parties. But then the cosplay is like, I've seen cosplay. Like, clearly he has. He's a a significant character on a show that stars a superhero. Like, clearly he's seen cosplay at other cons. He's like, but this is something else, you know. And there isn't really cosplay like this at other places. Like, you might get a couple of costumes, like a, f- a, a few standout costumes and other cons that would be, like, significant ones here. But there's just so many here that it's almost like you get overwhelmed by how many are just awesome, unique, well done ideas. You know, I, I think it's that at Dragon Con, for me personally, there's no pressure on the cosplay. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of people take cosplay very seriously, and I respect that. You know, they do a lot of sewing. They do really a lot of hard work to make sure things match perfectly. You know what? I can't sew. I don't care to learn that skill. Uh, not because sewing's not cool. It's just that... Yeah, I mean, you picked up knitting, so... Like... <laughs> yeah, I, I knit, I, I but, I, you know, sewing requires a lot of space in your home. <laughs> like, you have to have a sewing table, you know, you have to have... And, and I just don't have the time or patience for that. Um, 
and but I still want to cosplay. And at Dragon Con, no one's gonna judge you for wearing the casual Star Lord style cosplay. People are still gonna comment on your Star Lord, right? Um, and and not that you get judged at other cons, but you know. I, I feel like the best best way to put it is a lot of other cons, it feels like you're celebrating the thing the con is for, whereas Dragon Con is celebrating basically the idea of fandom. Yeah. Right? Like, that, I, I'm the closest thing I can come to is uh, Penny Arcade Expo, PAX, when it came out versus, say, like, E3 or, you know, some of the other gaming expos that are more developer or media-focused. It's gamer-focused. Gamers actually go, but it's still very much about them getting to play games and, and stuff like that. So it's about the games, but that had, if you're more familiar with those circles, sort of like going from E3 to Penny Arcade and then it's like you go, or to PAX, and then you go like another level beyond that and it covers pretty much every fandom that exists instead of just one targeting kind of one. Yeah. And, and there's just something like, you know, a one year, not this year, there was a guy who uh, was Loki, but... Uh, he was wearing Loki's, like, vest cape thing he wears, um, when he's, like, casual Loki, if you will. But underneath it, he was wearing, like, the Loki Charms shirt, you know. But his hair was very clearly Loki, and he was wearing the vest. And it's, like, that's the kind of stuff you can do at Dragon Con, you know, where it's, like, just not as, like, you know, you missed this one aspect of the costume and now I'm going to critique you for it. Like, right. you can mash it up in a strange way, reinvent it, and uh, people appreciate that. And, you know, uh, it, it's really, uh, especially at night, there's definitely always more people cosplayed at night than during the day, and that's just partly because Atlanta is so freaking hot. Uh, and uh, it is really, as someone who does it, it is really hard to wear a cosplay all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people go about in plain clothes during the day, um, then they go back and change before whatever party. Or some people even bring two cosplays, like a day cosplay and a night cosplay. Um, so at night, you can definitely see a lot of the bigger, more elaborate... Uh, Especially the ones that involve lights. Yes. Those are like, you know, you don't want to kind of waste that in the day, and then you go out at night, and suddenly everybody can see the lights, whether you're indoors, outdoors, etc. cetera. Um, and, and that's why we always take time in the evening, though, just to go around and people watch. Yeah. Right. You uh, find a corner, sit down, and just or walk by people over and over again, walk in circles. And I think that's a part of Dragon Con, and nobody calls it this, but it's like the promenade, right? Yeah. Like people put on their cosplays and walk around just to be seen, uh, and so that's that's really nice. Yeah, I, I know that when I am cosplaying, I want to walk around a lot more than yeah. when I'm not cosplaying because it's like I just yeah I want to get reactions from people, you know. Um, so going into because. Uh, we did have one more panel Saturday night, uh, yes. and you're the one who first identified it, but it was pretty awesome, so kind of continues the theme from the previous night. You want to... Uh, sure. It was... Uh, they called it the Comics Roundtable, so I think it was the like the primary people who organized the scholarly thing was the impression I got is that they were a lot of the people who were the force behind setting up. Right. Um, and, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction. Uh, it was a standing room only as had been the previous scholarly panel, which Matt Fraction commented on. Cause he was like, it's Saturday night at dragon con. There are like 10 PM Saturday night. Like yeah. the parties have started. The parties have started and you're at a scholarly panel with standing room 
only. Like a panel that's talking about like, you know, deep ideas of, you know, philosophy and comics and representation and how to how to bridge the gap between academics and comic creators and the people like us who just read these things. Uh, and yeah, it, it was really interesting. Um, we were very tired. Yes. <laughs> I, I was kind of pained that all of these panels were at 10. Uh, and I, I don't really like the, the sex and gender one made sense to me because one of the topics was rape that they put it late to kind of like keep kids yeah. from coming to it. But this one, I was like, why is this at 10? And it could have just been a more of a scheduling conflict thing. Like Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue were probably going to be busy all day. Yeah. So yeah. you could that's, only really get them at night. That's probably exactly why. And once again, the panel uh, went long and we probably would have left except... <laughs> I had had my hand raised, and the moderator was like, we'll take a break, and then when we get back, we'll address your question. And I was like, now I have to stay. <laughs> and I, I mean, I wanted to ask my question. I could have left. I could have been like, no, but I was like, okay. <laughs> and just in case anybody's curious, it, there was a large discussion about sort of accessibility uh, of the actual philosophy, like uh, the actual writing and so on. Uh, and part of their... A lot of the focus previously in the discussion, which is t a great topic of discussion, was like, how do you get, you know, unheard voices into that realm? Because you have all kinds of... The academic realm of philosophy and liter literary criticism, to right. be specific. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, there was the fact that we did have a pretty diverse panel, but there were no black women on there, for instance. Right. And it's like, you know, there's the intersectionality is always an issue whenever you're talking about representation. Yeah. So in the scholars, not right. counting Matt Fraction and Kelly Sue, because comics professionals, right? Right. Uh, it was two black men, two white men and one white woman. Right. So that, that was kind of a... Uh, from the sound of them talking, that, that seems like... A, a fair assessment of the philosophy field, except maybe a little heavy in black men, but we're right. in Atlanta. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, which I, I say that because there is a large black population. Yeah, uh, Atlanta is, I believe, the blackest major city in the United States. Right. So, so it, it would be easier to find equal representation uh, between black and white scholars in Atlanta right. than possibly in like Seattle or right. something. But uh, but they they mentioned that there are are like something like two or three thousand black philosophers in this in in this area or in this. Topic. I thought it was there were two or three thousand female philosophers. Females and of like academic PhD level and of those two or three thousand, sixty are were black. black women. Right. So. Uh, so that that which is a very stark. <laughs> yeah, to that, me. that's nothing. Like, that yeah. is a rounding error. You yeah. know. Um, so, I, yeah, and it's one of those things that, you know, they brought up going back to Aristotle, philosophy has been considered a men's field. And then, you know, it's easier for white women to break in first. And then uh, it, it's just very difficult. And that was something that was brought up by a, a black woman in the audience who was like, I look at this panel and I see no one, you yeah. know. Uh, and it became very clear that, like, the people on the panel were super cognizant of it. Yes. But, like, it doesn't mean that they alone can fix it, right? Right, and right. So they, they were basically like, we want you here. Please apply. <laughs> like, yes. We can't actually force you to be here against your will. <laughs> Which um, it sounded like they had been, like, because there were a few women of color who had presented in other panels. Right. 
Um, yeah, and they highlighted one of their friends who would be the next day. Yeah, as well, but they were so. basically like, the only way we've been able to get in people right now is to go to women of color we know and be like, hey, you should do this, right? Right. Uh, as opposed to they haven't had a lot of people apply, which is not an excuse. Right, right. Right. Because uh, they also talk, basically, these are the people who are in the institution who are trying to combat the the aspects of the institution that's that put up barriers, right? So so they're trying to be the go-between and, and Which, encourage Which, all of this discussion of how to raise up uh, black women and other underrepresented minorities into higher level philosophy then led to my question of, right. well, how do we, the layperson who's never going to be a philosopher, get access to your work? Because uh, I was kind of thinking, like, isn't ultimately philosophy or literary criticism, it, academia, academia, if you've ever been in it, is very incestuous. Uh, they don't, share like they write for themselves but ultimately academia is supposed to be for the betterment of man uh it, but a lot of people look down on quote-unquote pop scholars your neil degrassi tysons or you know uh your bill nye's like we look up to them as lay people but a lot of times within academia the other academics oh are they're like, not real scientists yeah why are you wasting your time you know when you could be doing real science and i'm sure it's so i'm sure it's the same way in philosophy and that's kind of the impression i got but i don't know if you guys on this podcast know this but i'm a nerd what uh, I don't know if that's a fair <laughs> assessment, Mandy. <laughs> so, you know, I really enjoy reading, like, you know, breakdowns of things like just the example of the panel I went to of how Batman affects the definition of masculinity in Gotham, right? Like, I'd read a book on that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was just kind of, like, brought up the idea that... Um, how do we get it? How do we get it? How could they make it more accessible? You know, why aren't the presentations that they're presenting here on the website? You know, like... Yeah. And, uh, and it was funny because you asked initially and they're like, oh, well, you know, here are the things we can do. And then you meant, you got to speak up again and you're like, well, you have a website. And, and they're like, oh, that's a good idea, actually. We should probably <laughs> be putting these links on the website. I will, if I can get my act together... And the, one of the, the guy, I guess, who's responsible for the site was like, if I can get my act together... We should put links to these books and, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, there you go. Great. Yeah, because I think both of the, uh, unfortunately, we only got to go to two scholar panels. But both of the ones I went to, every time they mentioned a book, I wrote down the name. Yeah. Like, I was like, I will look into that. I will, you know. I actually ordered one of the ones they mentioned Saturday night already. So the, Is it the unflattening one? Or, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was one, there were two mentioned on Friday night. I can't remember it. But one was one particularly that was like an analysis of... Um, strong female characters in the 80s and early 90s, kind of your Ripley's, Sarah Connors, uh, that kind of thing. And I thought that was really interesting because it was an er like it's from that time period. So it's an earlier work of kind of females. And, um, and then there was another one. And I can't remember what it is right now, but I, I wrote it down. Um, so, yeah, that was really interesting. It was a really good panel. And I would have stayed later. But after they answered my question, I was sitting there and I was like, I cannot. I don't even know what's happening right now. Like, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> so we went to bed yep. that was saturday <laughs> uh yeah and then we got started probably much earlier on sunday than most people do on uh, sunday yes which for a good reason uh my one of my very 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 bestest friends was coming to dragon con just for saturday and she needed her just day for sunday. pass just for sunday and she needed her day pass and i was cosplaying so i couldn't just roll out of bed when she texted me that she was here i needed to like get up in advance and get dressed because uh, I was wearing a suffragette cosplay um, which people liked a lot she got a lot of compliments for I, I was kind of surprised I was really expecting that to be a more popular costume 
Uh, she means in terms of other people wearing them too. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't see anyone else uh, cosplaying as a suffragette. Yeah. Um. So, uh, which was really just an Edwardian costume with a votes for women sash. Um. And the reason why it took so long is because it's a three piece costume. It has a a, dre- a skirt, a vest, a shirt. The vest and shirt are both buttoned, which like a lot of buttons and then because it's time period appropriate you have to actually wear a corset underneath it just because of if you don't wear the appropriate undergarments for period appropriate uh outer cost, garments outer garments it's, it just looks wrong sometimes like sometimes you can get away with it it really depends on what it is but i when i initially tried it on when i got it i was like uh, no this things are not in the right place uh so i so it was many layers because if you're going to wear a corset, you need to wear something under the corset or else you're going to sweat into the corset. And that's disgusting. So it, it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> but fortunately, it was cool in Atlanta. So I, I got up at seven, which was early. And then I uh, joined my friend in the uh, badging line for the day. And she had pre-ordered her badge because you can pre-order Saturday and Sunday specific badges a month in advance of Dragon Con, I believe. Um so uh, it went pretty quick. They opened at 8. We were out of there with her badge by 8.15. Uh, it's slower if you didn't pre-order because you have to fill out the paperwork, um, you know, with your name, address, blah, blah, blah. Um, which I'm not sure quite why they need all the information. But, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, so we were up early. But it worked out because Alicia's big thing is she wanted to go to all the Doctor Who panels. And there was a Matt Smith panel at 10 a.m., so we got in the line at around 8.30, um, 8.45, and it was... We, it was packed? It was packed. Uh, and you got in. You got pretty good seats. Uh, we uh, were about middle of the room. Uh, so it's a 2,000-person ballroom, so we were probably, you know, at the end of the last 1,000 or beginning of the second 1,000, you know, around 1,000. Um, and uh, and then Michael got in, even I, though he showed up late. I rolled in. I mean late for the line but before the the thing and since i was a single person uh, i was like walked up and they're like okay go up to this lady and at first i got turned away because she's like oh that seat was already taken there was some miscommunication between the ushers and then somebody else grabbed me and was like oh no there's a seat right here and so i was like further up than you two were by the end which was i mean i feel special uh that was a great panel matt smith was really funny really engaging uh, sort of kind of promised to come back next year, but eh, we'll see about that. Uh, he also was really embarrassed at some point when somebody asked a question. Uh, just like they mentioned, uh, she mentioned that like Matt Smith was her favorite. He's like, please come back. And he thought that she meant come back as the doctor. He's like, well, you know, so he was being like really polite and being like, you know, people need to do their own thing. It's Jody's now. Uh, you know, because the new doctor has been announced and stuff. And then she's like, no, no, I meant to Dragon Con. He's like, oh, uh, well, that's me being full of myself. And you could just tell he was so embarrassed and it was hilarious because all of us understand, like, he probably does get questions like that and has to, def- like, be polite and, you know, not shut down the person who asked, but, like, he's not going to come back as the doctor, you right. know? Uh, Short of another day of the doctor type situation. Right, right, right. So uh, that was very, very funny. Um and, um, yeah, where'd we go from, from? So what we did after that, and this is where we met up with you, um, was, uh, 
the vendor room because I had my my one request for Sunday because I was pretty much willing to do whatever Alicia wanted to do since this was the only day she was coming was I had to go to Claudia Gray's signing at 11.30, which was in the vendor room, which had a huge, huge, huge line wrapped around, like, the entire building. Um, excuse me. But um, Claudia Gray, for those of you who don't know, writes Star Wars books, particularly Leia-focused Star Wars books, um, which, uh, when I got the book signed by her, I commented on, because uh, if you're like me and you are a fan of the Now Legends EU... Uh, you know there wasn't a lot of Leia focus. Um, she was in books, but there weren't really Leia-specific books. And Claudia Gray has kind of fixed that. Uh, she wrote Bloodlines, which is the one I had brought, which is um, post-Return of the Jedi, and is kind of about uh, the knowledge coming out that Leia is Darth Vader's daughter, and how does that affect her political career and her, and, you know, people's perceptions of her and uh, her, yeah, her, her life. Um, and, uh, then she had also recently, which I didn't even know. So I bought the book at the con published, uh, a princess Leia book about Leia when she's like, uh, a teenager and discovers her parents are in the rebellion. Um, and, uh, what does she do? You know, and I haven't read that one obviously cause I just bought it. I didn't know that such a book existed, which. Yeah. And you know. so I, that's what I brought up with her was that I was really glad to see so many female focused books. They actually had a couple of panels on that this weekend because EK Johnston, who wrote Asaka, which I also got signed, was also here. Um, and they're coming out with a Phasma book and I'm not sure who's writing that. So they had a couple of panels on kind of the women of Star Wars. Um, and I, I really hope they do something with Phasma because <sighs> she was hyped up so much before episode seven and she's just like a I think we talked about yeah. this in the episode seven podcast. Yeah. Uh, we'll, yeah. We'll get to that. Hopefully they'll do something with her. Um, but yeah, so I didn't get to go to any of the Star Wars specific panels. Uh, I mean, I suppose I could have. I just didn't. <laughs> uh, so I got that signed. We walked around the vendor's room for a bit so Alicia could uh, see. And she had a friend or a acquaintance in the vendor's room that she wanted to catch up with. It was really someone she's a big fan of. So uh, that was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, but then we had to skedaddle, uh, to grab lunch before getting in line for the Billy Piper, AKA Rose Tyler panel. Uh, so that was a very long line. Yes. <laughs> uh, and a magnificent panel because when we got in, we're like, Oh, she's already talking. Like when we walked in, she was hugging someone on stage and we were there like a few minutes before. The panel started, and it was like, who is she hugging? And why, why is the is panel this, already starting? Yeah, because we as we walk in, it was like, and like, ladies and gentlemen, Rose, T- or Billy Piper, and we're like, what? What is going on? And it turns out that right beforehand, the Legends of Tomorrow panel was being had, and, um, wow, name. Uh, John Barrowman. John Barrowman, yeah, there you go. John Barrowman, who is both in Legends of Tomorrow and was on Doctor Who as uh, Captain Jack Harkness, he stayed between panels, and he did the intro and asked the first few questions and was delightfully hilarious because he always is, and it was just really, really something. Uh, you have any favorite moments from the panel? I just really appreciate how Billy talks about her experience on Doctor Who and the Doctors, because uh, she got to work with two, the first new two, um, and, you know, someone 
someone described Christopher Eccleston's doctor in a particular way, and she was like, oh, that was a, that's a beautiful and well-put way of describing his doctor, yeah. you know? And just uh, how she talked about how hard it was for her to even do the beach scene with David Tennant. Like, you know, maybe some of that crying was real because she was leaving the show. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I, I just really liked all of that kind of discussion. You and I and Alicia, like, we were in the line we were talking about some of the, the, what we understood of the toughness of the first, like why Christopher Eggleston left so early. And she actually addressed that specifically. She's like, you know, uh, I think they asked her, what was your favorite thing about like, uh, who of the doctors that you worked with, um, in, you know, including everybody that's like your favorite is like, well, David, but a big part of that was because we all, everyone got to relax in season two. And so that... It was just easier. And it wasn't because of David. Yeah, it was because, like, the pressure was off. The show was a success. And uh, and so it's like, as such, like, her experience with David is different from what it was with Eccleston. Because, like, you know, it's just... He was only around during that really tight, heavy period and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, she also did some, some great conversation about some of her stuff since then uh, that we're not really familiar with uh, and how married life has affected things. And, uh, you know, she had a strong opinions on wine, and that was fun. Uh, <laughs> no, she, she was very good at, at kind of engaging things. Because she's not, like, a huge nerd. No. Uh, but, but she was still very good at engaging I, I think even though she's not a huge nerd, I feel like she really appreciates the impact she's had on people yeah. as Rose Tyler. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, what else did we do? So somewhere? after that, we went to go into the Walk of Fame just to look. Uh, oh, yeah. And there was a sign that said Zachary Levi, who's here, or was here, uh, was going to be back at 345. And we were like, it's 335. Let's just get in this line. Um, and uh, he was not there at 345. <laughs> but he, he did show up. Um his signature and photos were a little expensive, uh, but we... Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, a little bit is an understatement, so <laughs> they were very pricey. So we, we pulled some of our money uh, to uh, contribute to the Get Alicia a Photo with Zachary Levi fund, <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, Alicia and I were able to meet him and talk to him briefly and kind of talk about uh, the impact his roles have had on, you know our lives and our friendship because Chuck is something we bonded over. Uh, so that was nice. He's also very tall in real life. He is very tall. Uh, I felt very short standing next to him. So that that's what we did. We spent several minutes in that line. What was only supposed to be 10 minutes, but yeah. it was like 30. But it's worthwhile because we went straight from there to his panel. Yes. Which was, at, so I am not a person who is a Zachary Le- Levi fan because I've basically only seen Tangled of anything he's been in, but now I want to go watch Chuck because I liked him a lot in the panel. So it was a great panel. What did you like about the panel? Um, mostly I liked his answers whenever he, he uh, I, I feel like a lot of the answers that are, he was asked questions, like pretty serious questions, you know, what are your dreams? Like stuff like that. And, um, and just, you know, what are the things he cares about? And, and it felt a lot like, so there are times where when I, I hear celebrities answer things, I can't identify with their, like, I enjoy their answers, but I can't identify with them at all. Um, it's like they're just completely separated experiences and they're centering around their experiences, which I like to hear about. Or there's some high-minded concept. It's like, I'm familiar with the concept, but I just don't relate to the thing that is their concern. But for him, like, any of his answers are like, I'm pretty sure that's what I how I would have answered that question. And so 
I like that about him. Uh, and he was also very funny and uh, and kind of like open about feelings and stuff on uh, on stage, which is really good. So I I don't know. I feel like I identified with him really quickly, despite the fact that I've never seen Chuck. Um, so. But you have seen Tangled. I have seen Tangled. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like there's less of him in yeah. Tangled than there is in, uh, you know, five seasons of Chuck, which unfortunately is not streaming for anywhere anywhere for free. So I'll have to buy. It's not even available to pay rental like you have to buy it uh, whether digitally or physically so yeah uh i was gonna say zachary levi's panel just the whole thing reminded me of uh, what kelly sue DeConnick said two years ago about dragon con uh and she was like san diego comic-con is where you tell news dragon con is well you where you tell secrets yes uh, yeah, yeah. And, and that that's what made me think of that like just how personal it got uh uh I feel like personal in a very big room. Yeah. A very big room. Not, not fully crowded. Um, only about half full, uh, which kind of makes me feel bad about how long we waited in line, but, (laughs) uh, it was still a a very good panel. And, And I think that is something about Dragon Con. Like it is so big that I do think the, I, I do think the actors do get a chance to kind of disappear in it mm-hmm. in a way they can't in some others. Um, and you could go to a party that has nothing to do with your track and people probably won't recognize you. I would not recognize Zachary Levi. Exactly. I mean, now I would, but I wouldn't have until yesterday. <laughs> so yeah, so. If, he go, if he went to, let's say, he didn't, that we know of, the Doctor Who party, would anyone in there know who Zachary Levi is? You know, like, or think that's him. Uh, not that I'm saying he did or that, you know, the actors. We went to that ball, yeah. to that party, though. So we're we're getting to that. Uh, so after that, <laughs> yeah, we went to dinner. Um, and after dinner, we did more people watching. Uh, we did some laps around the Marriott and uh, the Hyatt and the Hilton, and then ended up in the Hilton waiting for the Doctor Who party to start, where the lineup to get into the party was chaos. You know how they always say you shouldn't arrive to parties on, on time. That is not true at Dragon Con. Everyone arrives to the parties on time. They're waiting for the party to start. Maybe that's why they start the parties at 10. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we had to wait quite a bit, but uh, we saw a lot of interesting sights. Uh, There's a I, steampunk ood, which okay. really stands out to us, I think. I, I think the quote of the evening was when we were sitting there waiting for the party to open, and someone asked us if we had seen two rednecks and half a man go by. Yeah. And the answer was yes, and we told them where. Yeah, uh, he's so. like, they went that way. <laughs> so that's how you know you're at Dragon Con. Uh, so, so yeah, someone was looking for their friends cosplaying. Uh, that was the easiest way to identify them. I, I, so I didn't actually see that cosplay. I didn't the either. So I'm assuming it was like a Walking Dead cosplay yeah. because, you know, half a man and rednecks... I don't know. I'm, I can't think of what else that would fit. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then that rolls into this morning, where which has been pretty chill. Yeah, Monday is usually pretty chill. We didn't have to check out this year because uh, my parents are staying in the hotel room till Tuesday because Monday checkout at Dragon Con is insane. If you're ever going to stay at a hotel, it's insane. Just prepare yourself. <laughs> uh, but since we didn't have to check out, uh, we were just able to roll out and walk around. Do you yeah. want to talk about where we went? Uh, yeah, we started. We went to the art gallery, which uh, in years past, the art gallery and Artist Alley, which is where you know people will actually sell their comics and stuff, were one place. But 
Artist Alley got moved to the top of the uh, vendor room. Mm-hmm. I guess now there's three giant vendor rooms. So three floors of a giant. The vendor halls, yes. if you will. Uh, so we went to the art gallery. It was really cool. Lots of neat art. Um, you can't take any pictures of it for, you know, I think fairly straightforward reasons. Uh, so the way that it works is people bid on the pieces of art over the course of the weekend. And um, as Mandy, you pointed out to me earlier today, it was very clear that there were like separate prices because the stuff that's left today is the stuff that wasn't won previously. Um, And so uh, this stuff's pretty pricey. Uh, Very, very neat if you ever want like a piece of art. Some of it I can't imagine putting on display in a a house, but some of it I could. Um, Very neat stuff. Um, And uh, then we went from there back to the actual... um, Merch, like to the merchant Well, we went to Artist Alley. We went right. to Artist Alley specifically, on which is on the third floor. So uh, it, it's not terribly well organized right now, but um, we went up there and Mandy bought some some comics mm-hmm. from a an independent. Well, I guess she's published by IDW, but but Was she it IDW? yeah, uh, but she creates, she writes and draws it, which is not actually that common in the comics industry. Uh, if you're doing like a you know a monthly comic. No, it is IDW. So, uh, what's it called? Uh, it's called The Dreamer, and I, I guess what drew me to it uh, is that it's very clearly a woman in Revolutionary War outfit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I asked her what it was about, and it's about a high schooler who, a modern high schooler, who when she uh, goes to sleep at night, uh, she wakes up in the Revolutionary War. And I also remember, I, I swear I've seen this before and talked to her about it in years past, and uh they had three volumes of it, so I just went ahead and bought the three volumes because um, I love the Revolutionary War. I love teenage fiction. What's not to love? Yeah, uh, and you know, supporting people who do like the complete thing because again, you know, I, I guess those of us who have spent years reading web comics are kind of familiar with people who do both. But when you are also used to regular comics, that is very uncommon, um, and so it's kind of. And neat I guess to just see, you know, seeing a female, a young female creator, um, and. Uh, writing for women, young, mm-hmm. young females. Uh, so, you know, being able to support that. I, you know, Michael and I both like to kind of support independent comics when we can. Yes. And I feel like Dragon Con is one way to do that, you know, cause I don't often seek out independent comics, but Dragon Con is kind of like in your face and it's easy to find. So I try to buy at least one independent comic every Dragon Con. Yeah. Um, and then we came here and well, I guess we ate lunch and then we came here and, uh, and that's that's the con. Um, yeah. Any particular highlights left that we haven't talked to? I think we've like gone through pretty much everything. Hmm. Well, I think that's it. Um, we didn't go by gaming at all this year. Usually we end up even walking through it. But yeah. uh, my understanding is there was some issue with the fire marshals. Yeah, I mean, I was actually walking by it at one point, uh, and the fire marshals had closed it down because... so. All these other areas, people are constantly moving in and out. Um, but with gaming, you go in and then you stay a while to play the games, whether they're video games or board games or anything. And so people don't come out at the same rate that people would like to go in, and it just got overfilled. Um, and, um, I mean, to me, 
the gaming is the least significant part of the con. I mean, and that is very much to me. There are some people who go and do nothing but the gaming I, room. I think all there is game. a gaming pass, and yeah. you can do nothing but gaming. Uh, you wouldn't be allowed in any other area, but you can just game. Yeah. And with 82,000 people here for the weekend, you know that there is a significant number of people who do that. And any game you want to play, yes. you can find. Um, but uh, so I, I didn't do that at all this year, which was fine because. Um, I spend way too much money on games as it is and don't really need assistance getting into more of them. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, uh, do you want to sign us out? Yeah. Uh, you can uh, follow the podcast on the Twitters at Triv Crucial. Uh, you can follow me at Brown underscore Aja. That's A-J-A-H. And you can follow Michael at Auhim. A-U-H-I-M. Uh, until next Dragon Con, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, me and Michael are actually sitting face to face doing this podcast, so that's always fun. But yes. uh, I will talk to you via telecom for the next one. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>